0: You know, if I didn't know better, I know Mr. Jim Meredith, but I could have just given my word that he broke into my office and stole my notes. It's amazing how all that works together, and I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So I'm a priest, preach like I've always, by letter. Just open your mouth and let her go. So. I was thinking about a Passover as well, being my wife and a fiftieth Passover. It just seems like yesterday when we took a Passover. I remember the night to be much observed. We had about five hundred people there in Birmingham, and Mr. Les McCullough was sent there to to help us out for those seven days and During the course of the meal, we all ate together that night during the course of the meal. they served us and and these rolls look just like regular rolls. So nobody questioned that, because nobody really knew what unleavened bread looked like. <laughs> they weren't used to it, in a way. So finally, somebody realized uh, these aren't regular rolls. So they asked one of the ser- servants about that. said, no, no, they're regular rolls. So they got all upset. and they ran to Mr. McCullough, and Mr. McCullough got on the PA system. He said, uh, now, folks, that how many of you are dead because you ate a roll tonight? So that just settled everybody down. It made everybody realize that nobody intentionally did that, uh, intentionally ate that. But the most important thing for us to learn at that time was it's not the physical things. You can put everything out of your house and still be lost if you're not careful. It's the spiritual, and that's what we always need to dwell on, the spiritual things. But I remember back in 1960, the first Plain Truth magazine we received was, I think it was a July issue, 1960. And my wife and I fought over it. We almost divorced over it. See which one would read it first. And so uh, finally we compromised. And I said, what you do is just, when you get it, call me at work and read it to me. So she did. And that's when you were zealous for that truth. You couldn't get enough of it. And still today, I can't get enough of that truth. It's still fresh to me as it was back in 1960, that truth. God's truth is what keeps you young, what keeps you free, is what gives you the energy that you need, is that truth. And the truth is what sets us free. And I know when we send out the magazines today to people for the first time, they can't wait to get it. Or the booklets or the telecasts, they can't wait to get all that because it's new to them. It can be old to us, but it's new to them. And we can take those things for granted if we're not careful. And we need to understand that every time we come to church, we learn something. And I want to zero in some of that this afternoon and pick up maybe a little different way to start than Mr. Meredith. But why did God command the Israelites to stay in the houses all night? Why did He do that? What was religious about it? Nothing religious about it. Now, they could have said that was silly. Why do we have to do that? Kill that little old lamb, eat it, put the blood on the doorpost? Couldn't that be another way? Now, they could have said that. But, you see, when God got through with Egypt, they were devastated. It didn't take God long to destroy that powerful nation and deliver his people. It didn't take long at all for God to do that. And no matter how many times we studied the book of Exodus, we see just how powerful God was, how patient he was, how did he sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, let my people go, <laughs> as we heard in the song. So we turn to Exodus chapter 5 and Exodus 5. Now, God had a little difficult time with Moses. You see, Moses could talk to God, but he couldn't talk to Pharaoh. He could tell God why he couldn't take, uh, talk to Pharaoh, or he couldn't talk to the children of Israel, but he could talk to God. So God had to perform miracles for Moses to let him know. And he asked Moses, Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it down. So that's the first time you read of a casting rod. <laughs> if you're a fisherman, you know what I'm talking about. But he, Moses jumped back from it. Moses picked it up, turned back into, into a rod. And uh, God was showing him his supreme authority. A rod symbolized authority. Pharaoh's magicians had rods, you see. Pharaoh's magicians, when Moses appeared before them, Aaron cast the rod down, became a servant, so did Moses. I mean, Pharaoh's uh, uh, magicians did the same thing. However, Aaron's rod swallowed up. The rods of the magician, magicians, showing that God was all authority. There is no other authority but God, that authority. So the message was given to Moses and Aaron, verse chapter five, verse one. After Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, "Thus saith the Eternal God of Israel, Let my people go." That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. They couldn't hold that feast of unleavened bread in Egypt. They had to come out of Egypt to hold that feast to God. And Pharaoh said, who is the eternal? Who is this God you're talking about? There's no one more powerful than I am. I don't know who he is. That I should obey his voice, That Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let him go or let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Eternal, our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilences or with a sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh then inflicted more pain on the children of Israel. So God did, I mean, uh, Pharaoh didn't realize that he was about to fall into the hands of the living God. As the book of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and he was just about to fall into God's hands. So God had one more plague that he was going to bring upon up on Egypt, and he said, then they will let you go. They will thrust you out. And that plague we read, let's turn to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus 11. And the Eternal said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man ask from his neighbor, and every woman for her neighbor, articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Eternal gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. You see, they were slaves. They weren't paid anything. They were owed all of this. And God gave them favor as they would leave Egypt with wealth. As well. Verse 4 Then Moses said, Thus saith the Eternal, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it. Before, nor ever shall be again. But against none of the children of Israel shall the dog move his tongue against a man or beast. So God was here making a separation between His people and the Egyptians. Now, chapter 12, as we, Mr. Meredith read, he doesn't mind if I read some more of it. Now the Eternal spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, there could have been another calendar around. But this would be the beginning of the Hebrew calendar, we would call it. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of the Father, a lamb for a household. So I'm going to zero in on that word household this afternoon and show you just how important a household is and what we eat in that household as well. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. And the lamb would, has to be a year or younger. And now you keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of all the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So that was important for them to hear that instruction. You all kill it at twilight. No earlier or no later. Twilight. So everybody had to listen to the instructions were being given to them on that fateful night. As well. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, on the lintel of the houses, they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on the night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water. Of course, you boil a lamb in water, it comes to pieces. So they, they were to roast it. He told them exactly how to do that lamb, prepare that lamb for that meal in the household of those people. Then he says, you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, So ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt on on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. And I will execute judgment. I am the Eternal. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of the land of Egypt. Now just think. What if they had refused, some of them, to do that? What if they had refused to eat the lamb they were instructed to do? What if they had refused to do that? And not put the blood on the doorpost? Well, they'd have been, the firstborn would have been destroyed. It would have been death. But they had faith in that. Lamb's blood, that God would see it and pass over and save them from the death angel. So that's how important that night was to the children of Israel. Now, they had to be willing to do exactly the way they were instructed to do it in order for them to be saved. So what if some had refused, as I mentioned? It would have been death. Outside of the household is death. Inside of the household is life. Inside of the household, we feed on the Lamb of God. We come to the household each Sabbath to eat the Lamb of God, as Mr. Meredith has said so many times, to eat it. Now, what if some of us refuse to eat the bread of life? What if we refuse to follow those instructions Then what? Well, outside of the household of God is death. There's no life out there. There's no salvation there. It's only in the household of God, see, where life is, where Jesus is. And if we can keep that in mind as we take the Passover, as we understand just how important church service is for us, just how important it is to feed on the Lamb of God, to eat the Lamb of God. How important that is for us to obey, and follow that example as a set in the first <clears throat> Passover at that time. So you could say that God protected His church from the death angel because they heeded His instructions. Now there's one more example I want to cite. It's found in Joshua. As Joshua then was ready to take the children of Israel across Jordan into the Promised Land, they had to be circumcised, and they kept the Passover. Before they, you know, before they could take the Passover, they had to be circumcised. And not only that, but they were to keep the days of unleavened bread there after they crossed over. Crossed over Jordan. Now, chapter two, verse one. Now, Joshua the son of Nun sent two men from a, a, a grove to, uh, to spy secretly, saying, "Go view the land, especially Jericho." So they went and came to the house of the harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So that would probably be the best place to go, you know, to that house uh, hole of Rahab where she was, because she probably had frequent visitors there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent Rahab, sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men, hid them, so she said, you, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened that the gate was being shut when it was dark, that the man went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overcome them. But she brought them up to the roof, and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road from uh, to Jordan, to the forge, And as soon as they had they pursued them, had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, "I know. Now notice, I know that all that the Lord has given you the land." The terror of you has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you, for we have heard how the Eternal dried up the water of the Red Sea, for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the kings of Amorites and the other side of the Jordan, Zion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things our hearts melted, neither do they remain any more or courage in any one because of you, for the eternal your God, He is God, and above all in heaven and earth. Now here is somebody cut off from God at that moment, and yet had faith of what she had heard, how great God was, and how that He dried up the you know, dried up the Red Sea that the people crossed. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, we'll see where someone did keep the Passover, was circumcised, did keep the Passover, did keep the Days of Unleavened Bread, but yet lost his whole household, simply because he disobeyed what God said. Not only that, but he stopped the whole work of God. The whole work stopped at that time, until that accursed thing had been taken care of. And yet God promises of the spies, my life for your life. So if you tell anybody our business, or you go out of the house, the blood is on your head. As long as you stay in your household, that scarlet rope, then you'll be, you'll be spared and be protected. As the promise was made to her by the two spies. Now, if we turn to Joshua 6, in verse 10. Now, Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise when your voice, nor shall the word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So we had the ark of the eternal circled by the city, going around at once, and they came into the camp, And lodged there again. And he did that the second day, the third day, the fourth day, fifth day, the sixth day, but the seventh day. They were to go around it seven times. And they were to shout when they were told to shout. And we know the walls came tumbling down. Everyone except one household. One household was saved out of that whole whole city there. And that household was Rahab the harlot. And she is still known today as Rahab the harlot. Now, how would you like to be told that? Called that. Two women are mentioned in Hebrews, in James, and one is Rahab the harlot. That's how faithful she was. She saved her own household. As long as they stayed in that house, they were saved. However, they couldn't come out until they were sent for so Joshua sent the two spies to bring them out. Probably knocked on the door, and they came out. Obedience it shows you how important a household is. If we obey what God said, He protects our household as well. And we understand that. But can you imagine the people in Jericho? Look at those idiots. What are they doing? Just walking around in a circle. What are they doing? What are they doing? God does strange things. And God was testing them as well to see if they would obey. His instructions, and God had given them Jericho, except that one man, Achan, you read that in chapter 7, he went for the cursed things. And he went for the cursed things. And the work stopped, and each family household had to come before Joshua. Joshua. And he confessed that he had sinned. So what did he do? They took him, his wife, his children, his animals, and killed them all. Every one of them. Why? Because it was a cursed thing. Wouldn't that be painful to hear your daughters crying, being stoned to death, and talking about, well, I'm innocent, my dad did that. They were all killed. Gnashing of teeth, you see, just gnashing of teeth. When God pronounces death, he means it. That's why it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He can destroy the United States of America in a month. It doesn't take him long to destroy anything. But the only thing will be standing when the world comes stumbling down is the household of God covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and those who are in the household. They're the only ones to be standing because they are exempted by the blood of Christ. And that's how important the church is to us. The blood of Christ that we enter through the door and be fed the spiritual food that's been prepared for us that we may learn more about eternal life. Now let's just notice a few scriptures to prove that the house of God is a name for the church of God. If we turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in two. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at the hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing." that servant who is feeding the household, who's giving the meat in due season, who's telling people to stay in the house, telling people how to be a Christian, that servant, helping that flock in that household. But surely, I say to you that he will make him ruler all over all of his goods. Now, is that what... We in the church, the first fruits, the firstborn, will receive inheritance in God's kingdom. A double portion problem. The firstborn has always received the double portion. Christ is the firstborn. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master's delay land is coming, begins to beat his false servants, eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, and an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there is to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, just like Achan. I'm sure he never thought that would end his life. Kept the Passover, kept the Days of Unleavened Bread, just exactly that way, and yet it cost him. His household, he did not obey the instructions of God through, uh, through Joshua. So this evil servant is one that's really not feeding his household. He's the one that's not taking care of the house at all, feeding them something else. And that's why I believe, brethren, it's so dangerous on this Internet from time to time. We can be fed some things, we're not careful, that can take us out of God's household. If we're taken out of God's household, there's nothing out there but death and darkness. There's no life out there. Is darkness and death if people can take us out. But we better thank God that we have ministers who are feeding the right way of life, encouraging people to feed on Christ, eat their Bible, eat their bread, eat the unleavened bread, you see, the bread of afflictions. That we have ministers who are feeding us and teaching us to stay in the household of God. And realize how important God's church is to you and to me. Now, we may take it lightly. We may not agree with the teachers. But God did not cause us to be independent. Not at all. We're family in a household where Christ is the head. Not independent at all. Not that we know it all. We know more than a father. You've seen your teenagers no more in the dad and the mother. You see, they get themselves into trouble, and sometimes they leave the household of the father and mother and go out and get in trouble, all kinds of trouble, and finally they'll come back to the household where they can be fed and clothed and loved and cared for. In those situations, now Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians two. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit, see, to the Father. Through Christ, who is the head of the household, we have one Spirit to the Father. All of us do. No matter if we're black or white, woman, man, man, it doesn't matter. One Spirit to the Father, access to him. Now therefore, you're no more uh, longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple. In the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And that's the whole purpose. He did not call people to be independent, but to be a part of something where the father wants a family. He has a household where he's producing that family to be. And so it doesn't matter if we're black and white. We're all one. In Christ, all one in this household. All share the same thing. We all eat the same food, you see. We all are modest in in our approach to life. We help each other's brothers and sisters in Christ, like any brother and sister in his father's household would do. Keep them out of trouble. I'm going to tell my daddy on you. You better be careful. I'm going to tell daddy, you see. That's what a household is for. Is to help each other. Stay out of trouble. We don't want to see anybody go out of the household in total darkness to the lake of fire. What else waits them out there? It's death. Life is in the church. Christ said, I am the life. I am. That's where it is. He's the life giver. We're to eat that life. It makes us live. It makes us young. It keeps our minds off self, you see. And on Christ and the work that He's given us to do. It's spreading that that message to the world as a witness. <clears throat> now Galatians chapter six we turn back to Galatians six. <clears throat> Verse nine. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of God. That we cannot forget our brothers and sisters in the household of God. We cannot forget our ministers who feed us. We cannot forget them. You know, take care of us, spiritually speaking, give us the food that we need, the respect they need, our respect. It's like you'd want to respect your father and mother. They need the respect from all of us. And to be grateful and thankful that we are being fed the right way of life. See, that right way that we're being fed. i got some here. I've been battling that sore throat, so it feels good to get a little water. I think that's water. (laughs) I hope nobody slipped white lightning there. Now, Hebrews chapter 3, Dr. Meredith, last Sabbath, covered this very well. But I just want to emphasize I don't think he emphasized the household as much, but I just want to emphasize that in this chapter 3 that the household of God, Christ is over the house. He said, Hebrews 3, verse 1, therefore, holy brethren. You see, brethren, we are holy. We are set apart. This place is holy when we come into it, the ministers are holy, set apart for a purpose. We're a holy people, and we need to think about that. Holy people, you know, striving to be more like Christ. You ever think of yourself as holy? Or just a sinner? Aren't you tired of thinking of yourself as a sinner? And to be a saint of God? To be a child of God? Being saved by the blood of Christ, under that blood, being saved by His life, that his blood is paid for our sins, and we're under protection of His blood, being saved by His life, being fed his life, eat his life, live his life. We're holy, set apart for that purpose. "...who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all of his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who builds the things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house." as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, the Son, over His own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the very end. We are, if we do that. God didn't say, I hope you try to do that, if we hold fast, if we do it, if we understand And I went back to 1960, and I've loved the work of God. I've loved to study God's Word. I love to talk about God's Word. I've never deviated from that. And Mr. Meredith, well, I need a raise, so I'll tell him this. But he talks about God's love and God's work all the time. That's all he thinks about. God's Word, God's work, how the work should grow. We want it to grow. Nobody wants to remain static. You know, we want to grow in these areas. Why don't we belong to God? All-powerful God, who has all power in our household. And that's why we need the spirit of healings in our household, for our sisters and brothers to be healed. And God will give that to us if we remain faithful to His household and understand that therefore as the holy spirit says today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trials in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years and therefore I was get, was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Why? Because they didn't listen. Today is God's Sabbath. Today is when we come to listen. Not harden ourselves. Not telling the minister to get their own house in order. You change and I'll change. We listen to the instructions that's been given to us. Not harden ourselves. See, we have to have that... Tender conscience. that God's Spirit convict us when we're wrong. Or we can harden ourselves. And we can get up and walk out if we want to. Leave the household any time we want to. But what lies outside? Are you willing to pay the price? Outside. So he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest any of you of an evil heart of unbelief in determining or departing from the living God. That's exactly what happened to Israel. Couldn't go into the promised land because of unbelief. God would not let them go into the promised land. They never would come out of Egypt. Their hearts were always in Egypt. They had nothing to go back to. What would they go back to there in Egypt? It was destroyed. But this can happen to all of us. If we're not careful, especially of us who's been in the church for a long time. I've heard it over and over and over. Can you imagine, brethren, the twenty four elders around God? And they would say, Man, I've heard this six thousand years about his sons. Well, we see get off that subject. That's all he talks about. So I'm on tweet. <laughs> down there and see what they're going through. I'm just so tired of that. Not only that, but, uh, you know, they're blowing bubbles and sleeping in front of God. What would God do in that situation? If they were that independent. I've heard it over and over and over. I've read the Bible over and over, and it's still there. Nothing has changed about the Bible. But you see, the mind can wonder. If we're not growing, we're going back. It becomes boring. We've heard it over. It's far, way out there. Way out there. And it can happen quickly, brethren. It can happen quickly to any of us. Jesus could come back quickly. Things could happen quickly. Never underestimate the power of God. And he tells us all to watch and be ready. Be girded, ready to go. See, after we eat the Lamb of God, then we're ready, prepared for what God has for us. But this condition can fall helping to any of us. I've seen it ever since I've been to church, and I've been there fifty years. I've seen it. I was in Pasadena. As I've said before, I heard the men say, no, not those two trees again. I'm so sick of the two trees. Well, if they'd have understood what was being said about the two trees, they'd still be here. They didn't understand it. Why? they cut him off. Because they thought they had a better sermon or something better in those situations. But a loving shepherd is going to help us. To stay with the basics. Not out here on a limb someplace. You get away from the trunk of the tree, you get out on a limb, you go far enough, you're going to find a nut. So you stay with the trunk of the tree. And that's what counts. You know, I used to play sports a lot. And no matter how good you were, you go back to the fundamentals. And you build on the fundamentals. You didn't start something new. You know, you have around you had your exercise and your layups and your long your foul shots and you get in a the game, then you are fundamentally sound. Those are the ones who wins the games. Remember Michael Jordan? He can make seventy points a game, still lose. He realized that. Finally started playing team ball. And when they started playing team ball, they started winning championships. That's the key. We have to be a team. We have to listen to the coach, the fundamentals in our minds, back to the basics, and never get away from those basics. And I believe Passover is a time that most of us can start over. No matter what sin a person has committed can be forgiven as long as it's not the unpardonable sin. That's a sin people won't repent of. That's sin. Or sin against the Holy Spirit. It is so easy to get in that attitude and not even know it. Cynical. And that's why Passover is so good to all of us. Renew the covenant. Drink the blood of the wine, eat the bread, wash the feet, and mean it. Fill in the form. Now I washed somebody's feet last Passover. And yet I've now forgotten the individual that I washed his feet. I remember him. I try to help him. I talk to him. We have fun together. Why is my brother, I wash his feet. You see, I didn't wash his feet and get up and forget about him. You wash the feet, you remember. The church, you remember the brethren. In those situations, we just don't do it and forget about everybody else. I remember I was having Passover. It was brought to my attention after Passover. This one woman would not wash somebody's feet because they were a different race. If I'd have known that, she wouldn't have taken the Passover. That kind of attitude. Well, I'm gonna pick and choose the feet I wash. See, I'll pick and choose. The one I want to wash feet, I want my wash my feet. We're all in the household of God. We're all God's church and God's people. Well, we have to watch that we don't harden our hearts. When one's heart is hardened, you cannot teach that individual. That person has to be destroyed. It can't be taught. Once that hardened that heart hardens, and I've talked to people who, really and truly, you couldn't reach them in any way. And I thought, well, maybe you know something bad happened to them, might bring their senses. But I don't know if that works. This mad hate God more, ask, why is this happening to me? But I've been examining myself. God is the judge. I'm the sinner. Nobody's made me sin at all. God's the judge. I'm the sinner. God is justified when he judges me. I ask for mercy. Now, he could pay me and kill me if he wanted to. Wage of sin is death. Payment of sin is death. Anytime he wants to. But he's had mercy. As long as we stay under the blood of Christ. Covers our sins. And we understand in all those things. So again in verse 15, while it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So the heart must be open. Remember the layout of sin? I stand at the door and knock. You won't let me in. I stand at the door and knock. If you'll just open the door, then I'll come in. So, here again, we see that the Sabbath day, when the household of God comes together and fed the words of life, that we're to keep our minds open and listen to what is being said. And if we're being corrected, we ask God to help us to grow in those growing his knowledge and grow in his understanding. <clears throat> Brethren, salvation did not end at the cross, but it began there. The blood of Christ forgives the past sins, and that we can be baptized and have hands laid on us, and receive the life from above through Christ our Savior. So let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, in verse 9, "...much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him, or if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And life is in the church, it's in the household, not outside the church, it's not in the Catholic Church, it's in God's church, as we have been seeing. Well, how does one become a member of the household of God? Can we just walk in? Can we just bring somebody in? Can we just bring a stranger in? How do we become a member of that household? Well John chap we know the scripture that is it in John six, forty four. Verse forty four. No one can come to me. Unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Nobody can just volunteer. They must be drawn by the Father to Christ and given to Christ. Now, John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He came to His own. His own did not receive Him. But as many as received him, He gave them the authority to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Those who did receive Christ had the authority then, had the authority to come to the household of God at that time. Well, at that time, church had not been, was being being built, would be built. In Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, we read this to the brethren who are going to be baptized, or the prospective members who want to be baptized. Acts chapter verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the key of receiving the gift of God's Spirit. If we have repented and believed the gospel that Christ brought, truly believe it, want to change our life through the power of God's Holy Spirit, we will receive the power to do it. But we have to be sure that we have repented of those sins. So I tell people when I'm counseling with them, baptized for baptism, I'm trying to talk you out of being baptized. The Methodists and others are trying to talk you into being baptized. The preachers in the world say, "Okay, I'm going to open up the doors to the church. Never mind the Father. Come on down to Christ. They don't even know who the Father is. They open up the doors." How do I know I used to attend? Any any of you who used to attend any of the churches, that's what they would say. I know some of you want to come to Christ. Come on down, I'm the Father. Come on down. But that repentance, as Mr. Meredith said, loyalty, means so much. Loyal to God, loyal to His Word, loyal to each other, loyal to His work. Means so much. He does not allow us independence. We don't come here to get our way. We don't come to church to change the church. The church will change us. See, we can't change the church, it's God's church. Sometimes uh, in my ministry, I've had a deal with that where people try to change the church. I don't like what's being taught, so I'm going someplace else. I don't like the preacher, I'm going someplace else. Does that sound like a converted spirit, a change of heart and mind? It's just like I don't like this job, I'm going to quit and go somewhere else. Trying to find peace and can't find it. It's only in the household of God... Is the peace there for all of us. First Corinthians twelve, verse thirteen talks about how that we're put into the body of Christ. Let's turn to Romans chapter eight. Romans eight verse nine. But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. All baptized members have been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. God's Spirit should be dwelling in all of us, leading all of us to do the same thing, to preach the same message, if God's Spirit is dwelling, living in us. Because that's why we were called For no other purpose than that. Now, verse 10: And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. That is, if Christ is in me, my body is dead. My body is always lusting after something, the body is always craving something. It's a battle. Where the mind has to control the body, and not the body of the mind. There's always a battle going on. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which is the Father, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this, his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So I've been bought as a slave. I've been purchased as a slave. I had no, by the blood of Christ. And when you purchase a human being, he's not his own anymore. You know, if you just own a slave, you tell him what to do. Christ has purchased me by His blood as a slave to Him. So baptism is a serious thing. And I'm grateful that when I was counseled, it was serious. The minister told me just how serious it was. He told me there's only one opportunity. He said, if you ever go back, you pay the price. And the prize is death. Once we've been redeemed from it. I know this could be a little heavy, but it's just something, as we mentioned, about Passover. Examining selves and understanding why we're in the church. How important the church of God is to each one of us. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit... Put to death the deeds of the body; you will live. It just takes time. It takes time to change. No matter how I wish I could just pull that old gray something out, put all God's spirit in, then have to the, just reach in there and pull it out. We wouldn't have to battle that anymore. Isn't that going to be a relief when you don't have to battle that mind anymore, carnal mind? Freedom from it. We're closer. In that time. Then verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption or sonship by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, the spirit of bondage is outside the household of God. It's out in the world. spirit of bondage. Not in God's church at all. There is life in God's church. There is joy in God's church. There is peace in God's church. When we come together, there is peace. Now, maybe Wednesday we might have a lot of peace because we're back out in the world. Fighting the world again. But there is peace. And we are, I think we understand that. So, we have not received the spirit of bondage. It's outside the household of God. Let's turn to John then, chapter 10. John 10. Verse 1 of John 10, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and they lead, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he had spoken to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am that door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture or good food. See? Verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life to the sheep. But a hireling goes on about a hireling. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And, then, and I'm known of my own, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this whole. Then also I must, I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And He goes on and shows here, and uh, verse 24. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. But if you are the true church, make it plain. See, how long will we be in doubt? See, if it's the true church of God, and we answer the phone a lot of times here, go-to's, they want to know if, if we are the true church of God, Tell tell me plainly. See, how plain can you be? About the church, the mission of the church, and what the church is all about, the training in the church. Then verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I'll give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And the one is able to snatch, no one is able to snatch that out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So, God's people hear the voice of the shepherd. They follow Him. They follow Christ, the voice of the shepherd. Let's turn back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse twenty. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this, in this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. See, brethren, it's spirit. It's nothing physical at all. It's spiritual and truth. Now, people feel good about the physical. It makes them feel good if they're doing the physical. Some, you know, crosses or whatever. But in spirit and in truth. Christ is truth. My sheep hear my voice. My true sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. And people said, how would we know to go to the place of safety? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. See? We have to remember those scriptures. We hear the voice of the Son of God. We don't hear hireling. We hear it through His minister's. The voice of the Son of God. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. There's no other way to worship God, the Father. Must have His Spirit, and must live in His truth, to honor and to worship Him, as the Bible shows. Now notice John 5, John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, believes in me who sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself." and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. Do not marvel at this, he said, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good unto the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. See, brethren, some of the household of God has died waiting for the resurrection. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prophets, apostles, waiting for the resurrection. Some of our people have died waiting now for the resurrection. They will hear the voice of the Son of God. No other voice will wake them up. That voice. We must get used to that voice. The voice of the Son of God, as each week, as we come together and hear. John chapter 6, just briefly, John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God, or the flesh, Son of Man, drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. I bet if Mr. Meredith has said this one time, it's been 10,000 times, we must feed on Christ for eternal life. We have to feed on Him. That's where we eat eternal life. By the Word of God. It's a meal that's been prepared for us. And we can't reject it. It's the Lamb of God that we come to listen to, eat it. Just like you would physical food in the household, your own household. And it means, I think it has more meaning to me, I've heard it so many times, but it has more meaning to me now. Since i put it in a household type setting where life is. That you must partake of that lamb in order to live. You know, the blood is covered, the doorpost to the household of God. Inside, we're saved from death as long as we eat the blood uh, of the body of Christ or the flesh. You know, the word became, flesh became the word of God. Eat that word. Sometimes we had to put people out of the household of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And that's always a tough thing to do when you have to put somebody out. In verse 1, Dr. Meredith read this last week, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality... Has not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up, have not rather mourned that he who has done his deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent of the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged as though I were present, present him who has also done this deed, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you are gathered, when you are gathered together along with my spirit. With the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Deliver a one to Satan. Get him out of the household. It's not good to have him in the household of God. Get him out. Because that leavening will leaven the whole lump. It spreads. People begin to feel sorry for the sinner and hate the one who has to put him out. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge him out. Purge out that leavening. Keep the feast then with sincerity and truth. In verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual and moral people. See, he's written that to the church. Don't keep company with them. Yes, I certainly did not mean with the sexual and moral people of the world or with a covetous or extortionist idolaters, since you would not need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or reviler, or drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person, for what, I do with a judge, for what have I to do with judging those who are out without... Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That God tells us who we should eat with, who we should fellowship with, whom we should not fellowship with. It's pretty clear in these situations. And, and so, as we understand these things and draw closer to God, in this life I believe God's going to give us a whole lot more of His power and of His Spirit because we know we're a clean church, we're cleaning ourselves up. So we have to understand the only way anybody can overcome Satan is found in Revelation chapter 12, the beginning there, Revelation 12. Verses 9. So the great dragon, verse 9, was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. And the power of His Christ have come for the accusers of our brethren who accuse them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in in them. Woe to you, inhabitants of all earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath. And the only our protection is the household of God, the blood over the doorpost. So let's keep that in mind as we draw closer to Passover and all these sermons we've been hearing. We'll hear eventually even more. So let's keep that in mind and remember just how important standing in God's household is to each one of us.